0: All right, we are back I didn't mess around and kicked the dang socket out the back of this podcast situation here Bear with us, folks So I'm going to just ask the question again uh, For those who live by that mindset of like Well, slavery is the reason why I'm not financially free today And then they don't go out and actually do anything with the time they have on this earth What sort of advice do you have to those individuals? Or what would you tell them?
1: Well, first and foremost uh, everyone out here bringing a rhetoric about slavery still being an obstacle for them um, doing better in, in their personal lives I always uh, remind them that all of us are too far removed from slavery uh, none of us that are living on this earth today have personally uh, uh, been under uh, uh, any type of oppression or been in a slavery situation ourselves. And none of us even have any relatives that are still living, um, that are elder that were in slavery. So um, slavery ended in 1867. Uh, two years later, they found out out in Texas via Juneteenth that slavery is over. And so we transitioned from that to Reconstruction. But we're in 2023 now, and no one is personally Um, suffering from um, the direct effects of slavery. Now, we did talk about um, it being institutionalized and a lot of the uh, rules and um, laws put into the system. It is institutionalized and it uh, creates more barriers and obstacles for us. But I simply tell those folks, using that as an excuse, that we are too far removed from slavery, um, so much that not only does it not impact us directly, The white folks around us, they don't even feel guilty about it anymore. Mm. And as we can see uh, in our school systems over the last uh, four years, we've seen where um, a lot of people are making uh, (coughs) movements for us to um, actually uh, remove uh, any mention of slavery out of our educational system.
0: So it sounds to me then that the advice that you would give to – those individuals is acknowledge it as, as as a fact, but go out and do something about it. Go out and yeah. take the steps. And in, in, to
1: in a f- more clear, terms, shut the hell up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> say that one more time.
1: <laughs> I say that in more clear times. I'm basically telling them to shut the hell up because that have that has absolutely no bearing on where we are today. Mm. Absolutely not. Still get up and do something and you know it, it kind of reminds me of my uncle Pee um back uh when i was a young kid probably in middle school um and i was a wild hoover man uh he came home from the air force was somewhere and the house was dirty and stinking and my mom we hadn't seen my mom for about three days
2: mm-hmm. and
1: uh he came and i was using every excuse in the book why the house was a mess why the clothes wasn't folded up Uh, you know, why the houses are dirty. Um, And he pretty much kind of laid a foundation for me that stuck with me for a long, long time. And he simply said, just because your mom is not doing as good as she could be, and just because y'all are poor and living here in the projects, that still doesn't stop you from keeping this here house as nice and clean as it should be. So he showed me how to fold up all of my clothes military style. Mm. Um, He kind of said, okay, this is a routine that you need to have every single day. Whether you're going to school or not, you should get up at the same time every day. You should go to bed at the same time every day. And then he even asked me, did I have any old T-shirts that I I can't wear anymore? And I said, yeah. And he said, pull one out. I grabbed the old T-shirt, gave it to him. He said, come in here in the bathroom with me. We went in the bathroom, Andre. He ripped the T-shirt in half, and then he ripped it in the, uh, half again. So we had four pieces of his T-shirt. Mm-hmm. He simply was his T-shirt, and then he proceeded to wipe down around the doorknobs in the bathroom. The door frame, he wiped up and down there, and then he wiped off the light switch. We went out to the front porch, and we wiped down the door handle and the door on the house. And, uh, you know, wiped down every light switch in the house. Anywhere where there was a hand smudge or any dirt from where all the nasty, dingy hands had been touched and smeared. Mm-hmm. He took a old T-shirt with just some water and wiped everything down. And he demonstrated to me right down the spot that just because you're poor and just because you're in your predicament, that doesn't mean there are things that you can't do to make your life better. And he made my life better just wiping dirt smudges off the doors and the door frames and the light switches around the house. And that's something that stuck with me forever. And to this day, that's something that kind of, I kind of leaned on, lean on going forward saying, even though I'm in a rut, even though I'm kind of stuck, there's still a few things that I have within my control right now that I can do to make things a little bit better.
0: Sounds to me like he basically said, although your reality is, as you in a poor setting, your mindset you're not poor. So the habits yeah. need to follow a non-poor mindset. Your habits absolutely need to follow that of where you plan on going and not where you currently are.
1: Absolutely still to this day, Andre. Even with my kids and uh, when I go over other people's houses, when I see a dirt, you know, you you know how you can see where uh, everybody touched the same spot on the door. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody bike switching it kind of leaves it dirty no matter where i go especially in my own house if nothing else i make sure all that stuff is clean and and uh, Christy white
2: mm. so
1: that's something that i've just taken with me ever since my uncle p uh uh demonstrated that very valuable lesson to me and it's made a tremendous uh, difference in my life and and, and 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 the takeaway from it is is what can i do now to not feel sorry for myself and to not make excuses. What can I do to make my situation better right now with no resources other than what I already have available to me? Was that, was that some knowledge I just dropped on?
0: Come on, walking sin giver. you giving it to him. You're you dropping cents. <laughs> you dropping dimes. Big,
1: big shout out to Uncle P. That's something that he taught me way back, probably in 1977, 78, Andre.
0: What I like about what you said is, or what I like about the advice that he gave you is, he said, do something right now about what you're able, do something right now within your control that you can change to improve your situation or your circumstances. What is that one thing that you can do right now? It doesn't have to be go open a bank account. It can be go fold the clothes. It can be wash the doorknobs in the house, like you said. Absolutely. Absolutely clean up the front yard, Mm -hmm. get all the junk off the front porch, fold
1: your clothes up and put them in your drawer or wherever you keep your clothes at. That in itself, kind of like Dion Sanders always says, when you look good, you feel good, then you play good. Mm -hmm. Um, After my uncle uh, uh, showed me how to fold up a couple of shirts and uh, uh, my jeans and my stuff, and I actually did that and folded up everything and wiped everything down, I felt a whole lot better and I felt like I had a little bit more respect and dignity because uh, my room and the whole house itself was a little bit clean, even though I was in a project and I hadn't heard from my mom in three days.
0: Mm. That sounds like a behavior that anybody can take. Y'all hear this? Yeah, absolutely. Apply this. That's that's another another key behavior. So moving on to uh, uh, another behavior, what's another behavior that you believe contributes to people managing their money better? Because that one you just gave is, it's not directly affiliated with money management, but it is directly affiliated with the habit that translates to eventually managing your money.
1: Well, so the the other thing I would say, Andre is, and I don't, I I know there's gotta be a word for this here, but I'm not sure what the word or what the term is. But like I talked about me and my brother Rico, it was three of us, me, Rico and Craig, Uh, Craig and I, we saw everything that happened in my mom's life Mm -hmm. and we use that information as what not to do going forward. Whereas my brother Rico, the youngest, everything he saw my mother do, he kind of mimicked that and that's how he kind of lived his life. So I don't know what the term is uh, other than, you know, being ambivalent um, for when you have someone with the same exact, uh, experience, but they go in opposite directions because whatever experience they went through impacted them positively, and then it impacted somebody else negative, and they go in opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know the term? I don't know what that term is, but oftentimes that's what um, I also advise people about um, who I know are positive and who are trying their very best. I always say, "Hey, find someone else who you can look to as a role model and example." Mm-hmm. and pattern your behavior after them instead of resorting to following the behaviors of other people that kind of represent how you feel right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, that, that that's the biggest thing that um, I could say uh, led to my uh, little brother's life going in a different direction. He always turned to uh, look towards and, and, and believe in and pattern himself Um, After all of the things that represented how angry and mad he was at the world and because of slavery and everything. So he always was looking for, I need some fuel for my fire to justify how I already feel. Whereas me and my brother Craig, we always turned and looked what examples are out there for us to pattern ourselves after and uh, follow that example so that we can get better. So I, I would... We advise other people to find some positive role models that you can model yourself after and use as a blueprint to get you to a better position.
0: You know, it's if you think about sports, some of the greats, you got Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. When, when When Kobe came into the league, he was a student of the game. Who did he model his behavior after? Who did he look up to? Who did he literally try to move like? It was the GOAT. It was Jordan. And mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is spot on, you know, find somebody that's in a position that you see yourself being in or you would like to see yourself being in and model your behavior after them. If you have direct access to them, ask them what are some things that got them to the point that they're at and what are some things right. that they recommend you start doing today to get there? And you'd be surprised. A lot of it, a lot of the information they give will be directly tied to the sort of habits that they do on a daily basis that contribute to their success. So that's some great advice. I like that.
1: Yeah. And you know, oftentimes Andre, that's why I'm very critical of, uh, our current hip hop status now. Mm-hmm. And even going all the way back, uh, to kind of like the beginning of it. Um, there's so many of us out here that we want to model ourselves after, uh, you know, uh, 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 uh what's that? NWA. And we want to say, you know, F the police. We want to model ourselves after anyone that's anti-government and let's burn this whole mother down and down with the white man and we gonna go back to Africa. So there's so many examples out there uh, for our youth to follow that only uh, resonate with how they already feel. Mm -hmm. But overall, it's being more detrimental to them as opposed to, you know, uh, those that are out there trying to show us um, a, a Blueprint to a better way. Even like the example we talked about in a podcast some while ago about how half the culture was mad at Jay Z for partnering with the uh, NFL, um, whereas the other half of the culture was saying, No, he's actually giving us something new. He's putting a new tool in our toolbox because he's sitting there saying, Okay, you complain, you protest, so what's next? What's the next step? Mm-hmm. Or do you just stay stuck?
0: spot on great example great example so let's move on let's move on to another uh, behavior I know you got some more dimes to dish what else you got on <laughs> it? what else you got
1: uh, well I think I think the main thing Andre is I think what we're missing is we're missing that core set of values a core set of standards and behaviors of conduct of how we all should collectively agree we should conduct ourselves in a shared space. And we just don't have that in the culture. We don't have that in the black race. And I think we've talked about it uh, before. I've talked to uh, uh, too many people to even name a count about it before, but just as black men and women, when we pass each other on the street, we don't even speak to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sitting in the airport, um, too often, too many times, and I travel three days a week now. Um, you walk mm-hmm. in the airport, and you know, it's men sitting down, and they, they see L.B. Uh, uh, elderly sister, they won't even stand up and offer her seat. Uh, you know, you see some other knuckleheads out there, um, being rowdy, and uh, you know, uh, rebellious and stuff you don't have any older brothers stepping up saying hey hey you young brother y'all cut that out that ain't cool mm. we don't have that fourth set of standards and rules so that we can uh all coexist in a shared space it's more so like who's the baddest man in here and whoever that is he gets to kind of dictate and dominate and bully everyone else and we all kind of just bow down and i think that's just very detrimental to the culture because the youth that see that, that puts in the motion an idea that that's the way they need to move in order to have uh, some type of informal power like that. And that's the sad thing about it is all these things that we kind of embrace as a culture as, you know, being lit in the way to go, it's all informal stuff, you know, fighting over uh, a gang turf. Mm-hmm. We don't own none of that stuff. We, we sit there killing each other over this here foolishness, talking about this my block and this my corner. You know, I understand the concept behind it. um, But uh, we just embrace so much foolish, um, buffoonery stuff in our culture as the way to go. Um, It's kind of leading us astray. Uh, So like I said, uh, I would definitely like to see us all collectively come together and have a common set of uh, uh, bylaws by which we conduct ourselves and treat each other a code of conduct that we all collectively share. And I know it's possible because when it was legal for the white man to discriminate against us and crack us across the head and even kill us, and we didn't have no other choices, we could get our shit together very quickly. Mm -hmm. And we knew how to and and help each other survive together. But ever since, you know, we've evolved and, you know, you've gone through the integration and everybody is uh, to this point of every man for himself, we've kind of abandoned that collectiveness that we need as a race of people, and uh, it's more detrimental than beneficial to the culture nowadays. And you can see it in all our youth.
0: Mm. And what would, what would you what do you think is the reason why we've uh, gone to more of an I versus a we mentality as a people, or as a as a culture?
1: Because we, the, the, despite us admitting it, we do have the liberties and the freedoms to pursue whatever we want to be in our lives now. Mm -hmm. There are more obstacles for us, but we still have those freedoms and liberties. And so now that we are not handcuffed and we don't have shackles on our feet, there's no need for us to collectively do anything at all because there are a whole bunch of examples out there of individuals that look like they made it all on their own without any help. And none of us have made it. I haven't made it the way I'm at without my village. You haven't made it to where you're at without your village. And, you know, the Oprah and the Micah George and the LeBron James, um, even though they look like they've individually pulled themselves up by the bootstraps, they played a major role in getting to where they are. But also, they've had a village behind them um, helping lift them up on their shoulders for them to get to the next level.
0: 100%. Well said. Before we dive into the next one, I just want to review the three – behaviors that you've mentioned on the podcast episode so far. So starting with the first one, the first one is think about what you can do now to improve your circumstances, Mm -hmm. immediate action, actionable step. The second one, find someone who is in a position that you see yourself being in and model your behavior after these individuals or ask them, what can I do today to get, to help me get to where I want to be in the future? Absolutely. And then this last one is um, Having morals and standards uh, Unfortunately We don't have a universal Collective set of bylaws or code of conduct That we conduct ourselves By as black people but It's important for On an individual level to Help Help an elderly woman of any Color out if you mm-hmm. see She's in need of help uh, Talk to anybody black White brown and, and greet them in passing. The value of this yeah, is absolutely. it leads to building relationships. And when you build relationship relationships, it builds to networking opportunities. You never know what a simple high to somebody in passing can do. That could potentially be someone that provides you with an investment tip. Or that could be someone that potentially provides you with a business opportunity, a job opportunity, or a word right. of wisdom.
1: Absolutely, it could it could it could simply demonstrate to someone else that you have the potential to uh, maximize the greatness within you just by saying a simple hello, or just by giving a kind gesture to the next person out of just uh, human kindness. Mm-hmm. And we don't we don't have a whole lot of that going on in our culture uh, nowadays. And and you know, like the fourth thing um, I would advise people to do is we have to be much much smarter about who we include in our circle because oftentimes uh, even though you have family and you have the same blood thicker than water that that you can't have everybody in your family in your circle also Mm -hmm. because everybody's not at the same level um everybody's not at the same point and everybody's not headed to the same destination and oftentimes when you have those circles as the saying goes show me four people who you spend most of your time um, with and I'll show you what your life is going to be too. Absolutely. And so oftentimes we surround ourselves with the right type of people out of loyalty or just out of ignorance or, you know, even sometimes uh, it's calculated and, uh, you know, uh, consciously, consciously planned to have, you know, those people that really should be in your presence there constantly. Mm-hmm. And I, I, tell you how many people I know, um, running in the wrong circles that are doing 20 to 30 years of life right now, because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time, running four deep with people they know they shouldn't be hanging out
0: with. Mm. What advice do you have to individuals who have family members that they're not bad family members? They're not bad people, but they know that spending time with them, uh, consumes them what sort of advice do you have on how they can navigate those relationships? I know these are things that you and I talk about off the pod. So if there's any yeah, insight that you I, see is valuable, shoot, share with the folks.
1: Absolutely, Andre. I mean, uh, you know, when you when you see someone um, and you can recognize the potential in them that they probably don't even recognize themselves, you know, I, I have nothing against uh, being supportive of them being encouraging of them, mm-hmm. um, always try to uplift them and lending them resources if you have them to get to a better place. Um, but at the same time, especially with family members, Andre, um, sometimes when you see family members going nowhere in a hurry, it's too painful. And uh, oftentimes in order for you to even have your own uh, mental peace and, uh, you know, just peace of mind in general, you kind of have to disassociate from them because I think the young people refer to it as an energy or a vibe. Sometimes (laughs) those types of vibes just bring you down. And in order for you to um, avoid that, you have to free yourself of it.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more.
1: I know. I mean, I could tell you, I could go on and talk for five more hours a day about, you know, just me and my brother Rico, we were just oil and water when we came around because I looked at him as wasting his life away and a waste of potential. Um, But that didn't stop me from loving him as my brother. That didn't stop me from wasting tens of thousands of dollars trying to start a little business so that I could hand over to him and let him run because he had been in prison since he was age 14. He was institutionalized. And, you know, i bent over backwards time and time and time again. We've gotten to uh, you know, knock down, drag out fist fights three or four times to the point where my mom had to call the police on us mm. to break it up. Um, we've gone up and down, side to side, and back and forth with our disagreements uh, from day to day. And all I really wanted to do was see my little brother live a better life and uh, reach his maximum potential. But he saw me as just a sellout. He saw me as, uh, you know, he would say, I'm just a tool for the, the white man. All I'm, all I'm interested in doing is running out there and bowing down and kissing Mr. Charlie's ass, and he wasn't going to do it. And he was one of those ones kind of stuck on this here whole, uh, I'm mad because of slavery and the world owes me something because my people have been oppressed. And uh, it, it kind of drove us apart. And uh, the only, the, I didn't have peace with it. Until uh, maybe uh, I'd say 1999, 1998, uh, when me and him got into an argument, and he uh, asked me uh, to let him hold two hundred dollars to pay his child support, and um, I told him I wouldn't let him hold two dollars if he was going to buy use the two dollars to turn on the water hose to push on the the to the, the, the spray the water on me. Um, because I was on fire. I said, I have zero trust in you. I have zero faith in you. And there's nothing that you're trying to do um, that's going to bring something positive. And, uh, you know, when me and him exchanged those words, um, he pretty much said, man, you keep talking all this here crazy bullshit. I'm going to keep robbing and killing niggas until somebody kill me. Because I've already ruined my life. And I already got a big hole in my soul and I want to die, but I'm too much of a cow to kill myself. So you wasting your breath with all this bullshit about getting better and getting a job and doing all this stuff and turning myself around. That ain't going to happen in this lifetime. And for whatever reason, Andre, I didn't take a sense of that, but a high power all of a sudden hit a light switch and lifted the whole burden off of my shoulders as being his big brother. And for a long time, I felt guilty because I was the oldest of three.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, we
1: grew up dysfunctional family with a mother who was, uh, you know, on drugs and in and out of different homes and the system and all of that stuff. I felt guilty for going about my life and uh, going on to college and getting a degree and becoming successfully financially while he was still a drug dealer, eventually turned drug addict in the streets still back in Florida. And I always carried a heavy burden about that because I always felt that I didn't do enough until that day me and him got in that altercation. And uh, he told me uh, he just going to keep on doing it because he wanted to die anyway.
2: Mm. And
1: um, like I said, a high power lifted all of that burden off of my shoulders, and it kind of gave me peace of mind. And um, I think less than three years later, I ended up having to go back and um, take him off of life support and uh, go bury him.
0: Mm. Wow. That's deep. That's deep. And
1: like I say, Andre, we both came from the same mother in the same house in the same projects in Jacksonville, Florida, and our lives were lived totally different. And, And I don't know, I don't know what it is out there that makes us go down different paths like that, but I do know that those of us who choose the type of behaviors to collectively fit in society at large and work within the rules, understand how to coexist and maneuver through shared space, and then exercise the things that we know we should be doing with our money. We all end up going down a path and doing very well, and those of us that are stuck on something else um, because of slavery, because, our mom didn't hug us, uh, hug us enough because our dad wasn't there for whatever reason there's so many people that have these here bad experiences that we all have but they take those bad experiences and they a those bad experiences to kind of wear them down to the point where their behavior is not conducive to them maximizing their potential and living their best life and and that's kind of what we're talking about today where you know, managing your money is eighty percent behavior and only twenty percent knowledge. But there are a lot of us, especially throughout our culture, that can't get the behavior part down pat to the point where it starts to transition them into executing that other twenty percent um, with uh, taking care of what we need to do and living a better life.
0: Mm. Well, before our, we get to the book recommendations, I do have one question that I want to ask you that I'm sure if anybody listening had the opportunity to ask you, they would ask. And the question I have for you is, what set of behaviors or what one behavior do you believe is a consistent behavior that you've maintained from the moment you were in the projects all the way to where you're at now, which is someone who's has, who has successful business, who has, a portfolio of of real estate. Who has a portfolio of stocks, investments? Who's an exec? Um, who has a following? Who has millions of, of, of dollars? What sort? What is that behavior? What are those sets of behaviors?
1: I would say that the one core behavior, Andre, is those of us that, for whatever reason, we do what we know to be the right thing to do simply because it's the right thing to do, not because no one else is watching, not because we're trying to impress somebody else, not because there's some other ulterior motives going on, but those of us that get up every day and do what we're supposed to do simply because we know in our heart and in our souls and in our minds it's the right thing to do. That's that one trait that I would say makes all the difference in the world because I don't care what brother I listen to out there that complains about child support, that complains about the white man, that complains about slavery, none of that, I mean absolutely none of that, has anything to do with you going out there impregnating multiple Mm -hmm. women Mm. and then create more misery and create more broken homes. None of those things. Now, I can understand if you say... Uh, the system box you out of the workforce, and now the only way you can survive is go out and sell drugs, you got to rob, you got to do all these different things in the street and hustle just to survive and eat. I can understand that. The one thing I cannot understand is why would you go out there and create another life that you know you're not in the position to take care of or you're not willing to take care of. So that goes back to me saying individuals that do the right thing simply because they know it's the right thing to do i think that makes all the difference in the world and and i and i, and I stand on that till the day i die i don't know I don't, andre i don't even know how anyone would create another life and then go to sleep at night knowing that they haven't done everything they could in their power to uh make sure that that life they created it's at least somewhere safe and secure and, uh, you know, not suffer. I, I, I can't understand. I can't sense that in a million years, Andre. I, I just can't. That, that's been the one thing that has always kind of been out at the forefront, doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. I don't – I've never, even in my youth, even when I was a inner-city urban buffoon, out there menacing everybody throughout Florida, I still knew I can't go out there and get some uh, other little girl pregnant just so I could show that I'm the man in the hood. So, you know, doing the right thing, and and, and doing the right thing doesn't just uniquely uh, uh, tie back to, you know, having children and those types of things. There are a lot of things that we all know. There are a lot of things that you know is the right thing to do simply because it's right. Right. And you're not doing it because Corey is looking at you. You're not doing it because your mom expects you to do it. There are some things that you do because it's the right thing to do. If someone caught me in a jam and they loaned me $20 and I told them I would pay them back, Andre, I would not be able to sleep at night until I found them, even if I had to go across another state to give them their money back if they help me in my time of need. Little things like that, those are the things that, like, build character. Mm. And there's so much character missing in so many of our people, and there's so many of us not willing to do the right thing simply because they knew it was the right thing to do. That was one of my biggest struggles with uh, your boy, Savvy D. Savvy D was just hell-bent on uh, marching to his own drum beat and doing what he wanted to do. For whatever reason, uh, it could have been because me and his mom got divorced. Um, I know uh, she put in his head uh, that uh, I abandoned him um, by uh, divorcing her and all those types of things. But he had a stretch from the fifth grade all the way up to the ninth grade where he just simply was interested in doing the wrong thing because he knew the right thing was the opposite thing he should be doing. And uh, so, like I said, doing doing the right thing, man, that makes all the difference in the world and where we go and the direction we head in our life.
0: Well said. I mean, shoot. I don't <laughs> sound like a speaker, No, that was that was spot on. I think the people really appreciate that. What I basically heard you say is show up and do the right thing, and sh- and even when you don't. Even when you don't feel like it, you still have mm-hmm. to do the right thing. And the doing the right Absolutely. thing isn't always just going to work or helping Absolutely. somebody out who's in a jam. Doing the right thing is, hey, make that bed up in the morning. Go exercise. <laughs> Absolutely. Save <that> ten, <laughs> just, Save that extra $10 this month. Cook exactly. at home.
1: Exactly. Uh, you, you know, I, I just showed Sky Girl... Um, last night, um, how hey, you know tomorrow's April first first and um I showed her, you know, hey, these are all insurance policies that come out of my pay on the first and then all these other ones over here come out on the fifteenth mm-hmm. and then on the all of these things go into the investments and everything. So I showed her, you know, hey, yeah, seventy two hundred dollars came in but I that seventy two hundred dollars on the first of the month I'm spending sixty eight hundred out, mm. and while you have other streams of income coming in, I'm comfortable enough to be able to do it. But even when I didn't have all these other streams of income coming in, this was the same thing happening with my money back before I was very successful. Back before I was in the two comma club, I was doing all these things because it was always the right thing to do, knowing that everybody that I love had a life insurance policy, knowing that money was going in a savings account for each one of the kids for them to go to college, knowing that we had the right type of health insurance so that if anyone got sick, it wasn't an issue and we could just go where we needed to get treated. All those things were very important to me, and that's why I've never drove a luxury car. That's why you have such a hard time with me switching out the tennis shoes that I've been wearing for nine years to put on the new three hundred dollars tennis shoes you want me to wear over here. It's like I've always been trained and conditioned since I was nine years old to do the right thing, simply because it was the right thing to do. And I think that alone has significantly, significantly contributed to how my life has been lived and to all the opportunities and all the success, to all the successes that I've had. It's led me down that path simply because. I've been in the business of doing the right thing because I knew it was the right thing to be doing. And I've always put me second um, above all the things that should be going before me.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself, shy before we dive into the book recommendations. I do want to mm-hmm. recap all of the behaviors that you mentioned in this episode for the folks out there who might've missed it. So there was one that I didn't recap in the first recap said recap like three times (laughs) all right so that first one is seek advice and guidance from professionals with specialization in what you're seeking not someone just because they're famous or just because they have clout
1: absolutely
0: yeah number two think about what you can do this moment to improve your circumstances if it's folding the clothes if it's going to hop in the shower if it's putting a hundred dollars away, putting a thousand dollars away, putting $10,000 away. Whatever that it is, go on and do it. Number three, model the behavior of those who are in a position that you see yourself in. And this is often associated with the idea of having a mentor, someone that's in a position that you, <laughs> you strive or would like to be in. Get in contact with that person. If you can't, you can always, I mean, we live in the information age. So there's, Access through books, there's access through podcasts, there's access through content. If you want Mm -hmm. a mentor and you don't have direct access where you can text or call them, you can buy their book, you can read their biography, you know, you can listen to their content. And nine times out of 10, they drop gems on how to get to the position that they got to. Uh, The next one collect the collective set of bylaws or code of conduct. Uh, we we as a as a people don't have a collective set, but it, it this basically boils down in my eyes to just being a, a, a decent human being saying hi to people when you pass them, being respectful to your elders as well as to those younger than you, as well as those that are your age. Um, the next one is be smart about who's in your circle. Not everybody deserves see that at, at the table in your circle and you manage uh the very very last one and this is a bonus one is do the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do that's the one that you said basically got you from the projects to the one comma club to the two comma club absolutely how'd i do with that recap absolutely.
1: well that was a great recap uh recap that right there, andre that uh that uh resonates with me here i couldn't have said it any better man uh And like I said, today, even though this is a financial podcast, we're talking about how managing your money is 80% behavior and uh, 20% knowledge. And today we really wanted to like hone in on and take a look at a lot of the behaviors out there that's prohibiting us from even getting to the mental mindset to even take a look at that 20% knowledge over there to go execute and get ourselves in a better financial position. So. Um, I think, thing we we hit the nail on the head
0: today, man. Hey, absolutely. And I know this episode has been about ninety five percent behavior based information. So let's drop them with some five percent knowledge before we leave. You got any <laughs> book recommendations for the folks, DJ Dividends? Yes, sir. Uh, this is a book I finished up uh, last month. It's a pretty good book, and it's
1: called Do It Yourself self take control of your financial lifestyle and the um, it gives you a lot of check marks and a lot of things to look for um and you give your own um wealth and even it uh, helps you also identify a lot of the things that you will hear from other professionals um that are giving you financial advice so even if you get financial advice don't um hundred one don't trust them people one hundred percent. Also, um you should also, also be responsible for your own wealth management too. And this here book will give you a lot of the tools and resources and guidance on how to do that. So I thought it was a pretty great book. It's about four hundred eighty three pages. Um, I'm a nerd. I love reading. It. Um, it's a long read, but it's real worth. I'm um, getting this book.
0: And just so I can repeat it, make sure the folks heard it clearly. The name of the book is Do It Yourself Wealth Management Take Control of Your Financial Life by Stanley Kahn. That's Stanley, first yes. name, last name, Kahn, K O N. That's good, sir. Yes, sir. Get that
1: book. It's a
0: great book, Well, y'all heard it here first. That's y'all 5% knowledge from this episode. We gave y'all 90, 95% behavior, so y'all go on out there and do what you got to do to get it together. Yeah, man, I
1: wanna, I wanna see my people come up, and uh, uh, I wanna see us all move together collectively. And uh, I just want everybody to get better, not, not, not focus all their uh, time and energy on just listening to what the celebrities and stars gotta say. Because at the end of the day, more than likely they're not helping you; they're just selling you stuff. So um, just take heed and uh, keep that in the back of mind, um, at all times. And uh, like I. Um, said um, about the behavior thing, man. Just try to do the right thing, simply because it's the right thing to do. Shit, even I'm in I'm in South Central outside, Andre, and uh, the, the the chickens next door didn't make no noise. The ice cream. <laughs> stopped. So you know the stars all aligned, and uh, the sun came through. And other than this airplane flying over right now, um, everybody did the right thing and let us have some. Uh, Uh, Quiet time
0: so that we can get the podcast done today Hey, and I'm very grateful and appreciative for it The folks out there I know they appreciative of it as well And man, look If y'all want some more insight As far as the knowledge side of things Financially, you can head over to our Patreon account That's patreon.com And the account is I Got Sense Podcast And hey, Sean's been killing the game, man Been dropping some weekly uh, Newsletters about Stock advice, investment, what's going on in the financial realm, financial world. And, man, I got to say, the stock market got me on the greener pastures. I'm excited. Because we've yes, we, we been holding on. But it's finally starting yes, to look sir. up. So. It's starting to
1: look up. But you know, over this year last year, Andre, the stock market hasn't really taken off, but it hasn't tanked like everyone else mm-hmm. thought it would if we kind of like still right in the middle. And we just... uh. You know, uh, sticking to the process, as they say in the sports world, and those who have uh, stuck with the process, you're definitely going to reap uh, a lot of rewards and benefits um, when when everything gets turned around. And you know what, Andre, man, I love um, – I've been thinking about this. I've been waking up thinking about this here for the last three weeks. I love for us to do a live podcast with a small audience somewhere, whether it be in Southern California or uh, out on the East Coast somewhere. I think this is the year that we could uh, take some of the fruits of our labors and uh, the little bit of money that we made off of uh, the platform and everything. I think it's time for us to do a live podcast from somewhere. So why don't you think about that and uh, halfway through the year, maybe when the summertime time, we could do a live podcast somewhere and let folks sit in the audience and finally start asking us some real live questions and putting us on the spot so that they know we the
0: truth. I love that idea. I rock with that. I like how you spoke that into spoke that into existence on this podcast episode, too. So y'all heard it. We're going to make that happen. We're going to make that happen. I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All,
1: all sponsored by IGC Financial, which is my uh, uh, financial uh, investment and other uh, financial services company, and uh, also the I Got Sense podcast. Uh, we gonna do it right whenever we get it done but that's definitely something um i've been thinking about and um i want to see it come to full fruition this year in 2023
0: let's do it well folks y'all have a great rest of the day rest of the night depending on what time you listen to this episode and we will see or y'all will hear from us in the next one peace, peace